Michael Huddleston, a.k.a. Hudsey, shared some great listening recommendations with me recently. One of the shows he's enjoying is Switched On Pop, where musicologist Nate Sloan and a songwriter called Charlie Harding get together with a musical guest to geek out about some of today's biggest pop hits. And for a musical genre that sometimes gets dismissed as being a little bit lightweight and superficial, they take the job very seriously. They take a particular chord progression or a musical phrase and draw a surprising, often delightful parallel with something from classical music or art history. And it's these aha moments of recognition, revelation even, as the references get illustrated with studio instruments and queued up audio clips that I think really sets this show apart. Anyway, I'd be interested to see what you think. I've enjoyed episodes recently about the Camilla Cabello song Havana, Kendrick Lamar's Humble, and one on the history of auto-tune featuring the music journalist Simon Reynolds. Here's a taster from an episode about Ariana Grande's hit, Into You. With their guest, the singer and musician Kay Flay, they compare the song to a piece of Baroque art, with some clever audio tricks being used to make the song sound way more complex than it really is. But there's something else that I didn't detect uh, listening to this track until uh, I isolated the bass line. This bass is like another trick. It's not what it appears to be. Okay. Yeah, I did think the ooh man voice was interesting. I'd heard yeah. that one, but now I'm hearing something else. There's another one. The ooh man voice that I, I couldn't describe it better. <laughs> I think that's like a little clue as to what ah. this bass line actually is, which is not a synthesizer at all. Huh. But as we hear this sound transform and, and we it starts to change, it starts to become like kind of breathier. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right? It's it's starting to open up a little bit. Doesn't she say I can't catch my breath at some point in the song, too? She might. Yeah, she does. Sounds like something she'd say. It's transforming itself in front of our ears. Wow. And then all of a sudden (laughs) it's revealed what it truly is. Ooh. That is really awesome. That's really nice. Isn't that wild? So that was this airy, breathy... Ah, vocal. Wow, that is a really cool track. I had no idea that was going on. You know what's funny about hearing that is when I when I heard this song, like it kind of made me think about the Bee Gees. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's the tempo or something about it, but like it felt like a disco. I don't know, like yeah, I don't know what tempo it is. Like maybe one ten, or you know, it's like dancey but still not super fast. And hearing these men's like voices makes me think oh, it like yeah. low key is a Bee Gees track. Like, couldn't you? <laughs> right? In fact, the next part I was gonna talk about, I think, is a very Bee Gees esque sort of technique. Mm. All right, which is the moment towards the end of the song this is the next trick so i guess we're on trick number three now yeah this is after the bridge and we get a very different version of 
the chorus, as we've heard. So this moment, given what we were just talking about, this moment is really interesting to me because that moment when it comes out of the bridge, you expect it to be this big uh, dynamic moment. And it turns out to be this like kind of tighter, quieter moment where all of a sudden all we hear are voices. Uh, mm-hmm. We have the voices of the, the, the Bee Gees men in the background, <laughs> the ah ah ahs. <laughs> Uh, and then we have Ariana Grande singing the melody, but then we also have a, like another chorus of Ariana Grande's kind of responding to that main mm. melody. We have another kind of puzzle here, another kind of trick in which everything perfectly fits together, yeah, like a little puzzle. And in a way, I don't know if this is intentional, but this reminds me so much of... Um, another kind of one of these techniques that was popular in the Baroque era, but in music, in some ways, maybe the equivalent of like trompe l'oeil in painting would be a technique called hocket. So this, this is like a little bit of a classical masters segment that you're taking us on. <laughs> this is a mini classical masters. Yeah. Okay. What is a hocket? What is a hocket? Great question. A hocket is when two different musical parts fit together in a way where whenever one has a rest or a silence, the other one has a note, so that they are constantly kind of taking turns, going back and forth very, very quickly. Okay. Great. (laughs) We can hear a short example of this in the music of Johann Sebastian Bach. It's like DNA. It makes me think of DNA. What is yes. DNA? Oh like my a, God, I love that. Yeah. Like a double helix. Oh, like a double helix. You know, just like they kind of never, <laughs> they're like forever bound and yes. make something beautiful, but never appear at the same time. I thought DNA for a second was another like really cool 70s disco <laughs> reference no. of a band that I didn't know. <laughs> I only know so much about the 70s. But yeah, that's really cool. And I, I like that. Switched on pop with Nate Sloan and Charlie Harding speaking to Kay Flay about Ariana Grande's Into You. And here's another of their discussions, this one about Janelle Monáe's hit, Make Me Feel, with their guest, the singer and rapper Izzo. Here their focus is on how the artist's able to express a non-binary, gender-fluid message musically as well as lyrically.
I think there are a lot of clues in here that allude to both sexual tension and also sexual non-duality. She's been interviewed many times, and even in her music, she sort of remains intentionally opaque uh, because, as she says, she wants to be attractive to all people, mm. and she wants all and people to is. feel attractive to all people. Um, <laughs> and and she, yeah, there's no <laughs> there's no contest. <laughs> I think she's reinforcing this message both lyrically and musically. So I want to look at the melody specifically, and just right from the very top of the track one of her great traits is constantly referencing the future and the past at the same time. And hmm. what's neat about this track is it's actually, it's a blues. Mm. It has a subtle blues progression and she uses a lot of seventh chords and chromaticism and things that frankly wouldn't be popular in a lot of modern R and B, mm -hmm. which sort of, I think intentionally moves away from those sounds because it might sound sort of pastiche or too old, but she's mm -hmm. not afraid to adopt those and fit them into her song. Right. Well, I think there's a reason why she does this because, yeah. Why? <laughs> <laughs> getting some wide eyes here. She opens her song with... Um, Baby, don't make me spell it out for you. Oh, my gosh. Can you please join us all the time? Exactly. And that line is surrounding this strong seventh. That. Yeah. You hear that? Yeah. That, like tension. 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 Isn't it so rewarding? Mm. What is that tension doing for us? Like, how do you hear that tension? How does it support the song? It's so funny because, like, tension in a song normally happens in, like, the pre. Yes. And the first verse is supposed to just feel right. Yep. It's supposed to be at what, like, the root is supposed to be, like, at yep. the one. <laughs> one note melody, and you're like, simple. You're like, here yeah. we go. Let me yeah. just, da, 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 da. you know what yep. I mean? And then she's, like, starting, like, and you're like, what's about to happen? Like, that's what it does for me. That melody, na, 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 reminds me of a movie. Like, you take mm. the track out of it, and if you just hear that melody, like, on some violins, it sounds like... You know, like oh, it's cinematic. <laughs> yeah, super cin yeah. like it's a moment in a movie where like the little kid is running and he's running towards something. Like it yes. feels like I don't know, like uh, uh, so something in the distance at the start. And, and, yeah. and I think it's worth saying even for maybe for some of our listeners who may not be as familiar with music, it might be helpful to even just to play an example of if you were to open up on a playing major chord. And then you have a seventh chord, mm -hmm. and that seventh chord, it's unstable. Yeah. And it's the root. As opposed to that nice, beautiful mm -hmm. thing. Unresolved chords were always like mm. my kryptonite. Mm. I remember because when they would play unresolved chords, I'd be like, just resolve it. <laughs> just resolve <laughs> well, it. <laughs> and, and she does because that chord wants to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. It wants to go in the progression of a blues. Mm -hmm. A typical 12-bar blues chord progression uses a lot of those seventh notes to have us constantly move through a progression and always have a little bit of instability to create movement. Mm. Mm. Right, so a blues is going to start right on that whole chord, that one, and add the seventh and it's going to move through the four, the five, back to the four, and back home to the one seven. That's sort of the blues progression. Lots of sevens, lots of tension. Mm -hmm. And if there's one thing that is happening in the song, there is tension and there is movement. And she fulfills that sort of blues expectation by moving to what would be the next blues chord. She goes from the one chord to the four chord. Right? Oh, it's like... Doom, 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 doom. Exactly. That <laughs> <laughs> is so the blues. Isn't, That's so isn't tight. That amazing? And you're not hearing yeah. it. You really broke it down. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, so I've, I've got another gold star for Charlie. <laughs> I know, right? I was up late. Um, 
I have another supporting piece of evidence, and it's chromatic text painting. Mm. I think the line that a lot of people have zeroed in on, on this song is, it's like I'm powerful with a little bit of tender, mm-hmm. an emotional, sexual, sexual bender. bender. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm powerful with a little bit of tender, an emotional, sexual bender. So that's the pre-chorus. As you said, the pre-chorus is typically where we get even more tension I think there's no denying the tension only increases because not only does she use that seventh note, but she introduces chromaticism. Yes. Notes outside of the scale, things which are going to create disharmony, confusion, dissonance. But you know what else? It's it's like descending chromatic. So like yeah. it was so unexpected when I heard that. I was like, wait a second. <laughs> wait, you know, like there's tension. But like when you have like a descending chromatic, your body physically will go down too. you know, you're like, yeah. ah, yeah. You know? Oh, OK. It's almost Great. relaxing. It's like she builds tension. And then I mean children are listening to this so i won't say what it actually reminds me of (laughs) but you're building tension and then it's like a release and then you build that tension again it's very tantric until you get to the the climax of the hook but like pre's normally gradually build but it's like she came in so hot yeah. With that, da, 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 <laughs> and then she like backed off and was like, uh, not yet. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, oh, I've never yeah. heard a pre actually tease me like that before. <laughs> <laughs> so let's, I think it'd be appropriate to just play an example of, of <laughs> yeah. uh, just, just to hear this. So here's the pre. It's like I'm powerful with a little bit of tender, an emotional, sexual So just when she sings that line, that chromaticism, the no, 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 that's when she's singing the word sexual bender. Mm-hmm. And so she's inferring that anyone listening can be sexually fluid. They don't have to be normative in their sexual preferences. Mm-hmm. And she reinforces it with a line which sort of blurs between one note and the next. Mm-hmm. There's sort of an uncertainty and a spectrum of sound. Nate Sloan and Charlie Harding dissecting Janelle Monae's hit Make Me Feel with Izzo on Switched On Pop, produced by Vox and the Vox Media Podcast Network. As always, links so you can listen to more of that on our webpage at rnz.co.nz forward slash podcast hour now. And thanks for tipping me off to that, Hudson. And if you'd like to share any of your favourite shows, email me at pods at rnz.co.nz and I'll feature them on a future show. Thanks for listening to the podcast hour from RNZ. If you're finding it helpful to find new stuff to listen to, then please do consider rating or reviewing us with as many stars as you can manage wherever you get your podcasts from and tell your friends and family about us too. And if you're writing a review, then do let us know what you like about the show or how it could be improved. So if you'd like to hear longer clips, more interviews with the people making the shows that we feature, and if four shows is about the right number to highlight each week, that kind of stuff, it would be really helpful to know. Thanks a lot.